بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So that's the end of the 12th exam that being the last exam in module 4 and up to now you guys have completed by the grace of Allah Azza wa Jal and His Fadl, four modules from this modular diploma. And we're now at a stage where we have ended this academic year. Because bear in mind that the academic year runs for, for our purposes until Ramadan. After Ramadan, we start a new academic year whenever the guys announce the course. It, they might announce it I don't know, September, it might be before, they might announce it to start in August. It's whenever they announce it to start, that will be like a new academic year, continuing on from the modules that you've already done. Because the aim, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I have a suspicion it's, I don't know, is it six or eight modules? But in any case, it's, uh, it's more than four modules in any case, inshallah. So you guys still have some modules left to go. It being the end of the uh, academic year and also bearing in mind that as I've told you before it's quite possible that you will have a different teacher for the essentials when it starts again uh, next year inshallah ta'ala um, I think it's good to just take stock of what we've done and to give some nasiha. Uh, Especially because I don't know whether I will be here to give you that nasiha when it starts again. So it would be, it, it seems like a good opportunity to, um, to take stock of what we've done and to share some uh, advice. The purpose of the essentials, before and above everything else, is to give you a, a to give you the keys or to give you a taste of many different forms of islamic knowledge it isn't possible in 2 hours once a week to cover that knowledge in a way that is comprehensive and detailed enough for you to say that you have understood it and you have covered it. However, what it does do is it teaches you how to study by teaching you to divide your Islamic sciences up into subjects and topics like fiqh and tafsir and usul al-tafsir and usul al-fiqh and seerah and hadith and you know, the science of hadith and all of that, it allows you to divide your, 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 your subject, subjects up into pieces and to take it starting with the most easy of topics or the easiest and then moving on and getting progressively, getting progressively more difficult. It also gives you an introduction to terminology so it gets you familiar with a lot of the terminology that you would need if you wanted to study the book later on. 
What it doesn't allow us to do is to finish most of the books. Or at least if we finish them, we, finish, we have to finish them quickly. Because there just isn't the time to be able to finish uh, the books that we would like to do from beginning to end. And just to illustrate that why that's the case, if you look at something like uh, Bulugh al-Maram, which I teach on a Wednesday, Bulugh al-Maram, I'm teaching it at my own pace, you know, without following a schedule, without being like pushed that you have to finish within one term or you have to finish within 12 weeks or something like that. And so far, we haven't finished Kitab al-Salah, the book of prayer, and I've been doing it for probably two and a half years. So in two and a half years of once a week, and I very rarely miss Bulugh al-Maram, and it's very rare that we miss a class. In I don't know how many classes it's been now, uh, maybe, I, I think over 70 classes, maybe more than that, we haven't even finished Kitab al-Salah. So that shows you why that if we were to do a book like Akhsar al-Mukhtasarat, and we were to do it in the detail that it requires, the entire essentials, I mean, the entire two, two and a half years, eight modules would be spent just on that one book only. And that's not practical. So the aim is to give you guys a taste. What you do with that is what I want to talk to you about now. You guys by now are familiar with the basic way that you study Islam. And that is that you study Islam by breaking it down into modules or subjects and then breaking those subjects down into beginner level, you know, the next level up, the next level up, the next level up. We've covered that so many times in the essentials and the essentials itself has been a practical example of doing that. However, what I think is really important for all of you is that you have a personal study plan. And I was talking about this last night in GILC, in the talk that I had there. The importance of having a personal study plan. Outside of the essentials, outside of the online degrees that you're doing, outside of the classes that you're attending, that you have a plan of the books that you need to complete at each level, at each stage, in each topic, to be able to progress to the next level of knowledge and if you make a plan like that what I personally like doing it can be electronic it can be physical but I like to have something that is like a folder the folder has subject dividers in it one for hadith one for the science of hadith one for fiqh one for usul al-fiqh one for uh, tafsir and so on. And within those subject dividers, the first page is usually a khutta, a plan of the books that I need to finish. So when I have my tafsir page, my first page of tafsir, it says, for example, uh, it starts with maybe, I don't know, tafsir al-Sa'di, for example. And then it talks about the next uh, stage. Uh, might be Fath al-Qadir and then it talks about the next stage which might be Ibn Kathir and then it talks so it's a, it's a khutta it's a plan then for each book I have an, a separate page within that segment 
which describes the classes I've attended on that, how much I've completed, with whom, yani, who was my teacher, the books that I've listened to, the audio that I've, or the books I've read, the audio I've listened to, the videos I've watched, the online courses I've done on that topic. And I can add to that any ijazat, anything you know that comes along with that when we, you know, you finish. So that it pr- provides me a complete record of what I have done and it shows me what I have yet to do. In terms of the quality of study, there is no doubt that your private study with a teacher is the, is the best quality of study you can get. Now, privately, that doesn't have to be one-on-one. That can be uh, three or four students and a teacher. It can be one student and a teacher. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's a private sitting, a private gathering, where you read, where the sheikh accepts you individually, specifically as a student, and you read to the teacher, and the teacher gives you the... You know, gives you usually uh, an ijaza at the end of it or, or feedback at the end of it. This is definitely the best quality. However, it's not easy to get. And many, you know, getting it and finding it, it takes time. And some teachers will accept, some teachers will not accept, uh, depending on their time constraints and things like that. The next best thing, if you can't get that, is a class where you attend. You come and you are one of the students and you physically sit in front of the teacher and study the book. The third is to do the same but distance learning. So now you are a student registered in a class. You're not just watching a video. But you're not, you're not sitting in front of the teacher. You're doing it from a distance. And this includes online degrees and distance learning courses where you are a registered student and you have some sort of exams and things like that, this is, you know, this is the, probably the next best. After that, I would say the next best is a video followed by audio, followed by books. Books come right at the bottom of the list. And that doesn't mean they're not valuable. They're incredibly valuable, but it just means that if you're at the stage where the only way you can study the book is to read it yourself, then you haven't done you haven't finished that book until you've done it with, with a teacher in some way or another. Generally. Unless it's a book your teacher has told you, go home and read it, and it, you know, just go home and read it, it'll be fine. That in itself is, is something which is uh, different. So I keep a list, and then I look at what my options are. Because the reality is, Kalima will not fulfill that plan for you. That plan you have with all of those books for all of those courses and all of that detail, Kalima will not be able to fulfill that for you. Nor will any online university. Rather, even if you went to, to an Islamic university, like for example Medina, they would not even fulfill it for you. Because it's bigger than that. It's a complete plan of how you study Islam from beginning to end. There isn't an online course, there isn't a university that will take you through that. It's bigger than any university, it's bigger than any online course, it's bigger than any Islamic institute. It's your own personal responsibility to go through it yourself. You will find along the way institutes and organizations 
that will help you. It might be an online course. It might be a series of YouTube videos. It might be the Dawrat Ilmiyyah that you're doing, for example, with Kalima. It might be the essentials. Each of those will be one piece of the jigsaw puzzle that will help you to build this record of books that you've studied. But ultimately, it is your responsibility to get through those books and to finish them. What we should do is to help you put together a plan. And before I, uh, before I go, one of the things that I want to do, inshallah ta'ala, and I'll try to publish it and, and put a link to it on Kalima's uh, website and Facebook and whatever, is to put together a basic plan in English. In Arabic, they are, they're available every... I mean, it's very easy to get. I have already an Arabic plan that if anyone wants it, they can just ask and I can send it to them you know, pretty much straight away. The Arabic plan is not that difficult. The English one is a little tough because you have to look at what's available in English to read because not everything is available. What is available that has been taught? What YouTube videos are available? What institutes are available? But in general, the idea is there. We're going to put together a plan and say that you should have finished these books um, and you should have uh, studied these books with these explanations as best as you possibly can. And if you have that personal plan, you'll always see opportunities to fulfill it. Bi'idhnillah. So it might be that you just, you know, like you hear, oh, there's a class on this topic. Okay, I'm going to go to that class. Or someone is coming for a dawra ilmiya, which is to do with another center, but it's on the topic that I need, and I need to finish this book, I'm going to go and attend it. Or maybe it was part of the first essentials with course, but the audio tapes are there on SoundCloud, so you, can, you, know, you could listen to that to start with. But you yourself have your own motivation to finish these books. We didn't even, you know, we just scraped the top of Akhsar Muhtasarat. But there, are, there is, you, you could, with effort, go through a book of a madhab from beginning to end here in the UAE. With effort. It's, gonna be, it's not going to be easy. You might find it, you know, the issues of Arabic and English and finding someone who's doing it and going through it. But there are ways to do it. But you have to have that motivation. There are some books you have to skip because the, the opportunity isn't available to you at that time. But don't worry, as long as it's in your plan, you can come back to it and you can study it later. Same thing happened in the university when I was in university. We did, for example, Sahih al-Bukhari, 150 hadith or 200 hadith, whatever it was. That's not even, you know, that's not even like touching the top of Sahih al-Bukhari. But if the student wanted to, Outside of the university, the whole of Sahih al-Bukhari was taught from beginning to end. But it was your responsibility to go there and to study it. It was your responsibility, like it was my responsibility. It wasn't, the, the university said, we need you to do 150 hadith or 200 hadith or whatever it was. That's it. The student's responsibility to go outside and to finish the rest of the book. That's the situation with anything that has time constraints. As for the scholars who teach without time constraints, that's a different issue. And the Shaykh is just teaching the book, whenever I finish, I finish. And maybe I will never finish. But, Bismillah, no problem. To be honest, one of them is not, it's not that one of them is, is right and one of them is wrong. 
each one is suitable for certain circumstances and situations. If I had gone to Saudi and the only thing I'd experienced is people who teach the book from beginning to end, the difficulty would be I probably would have finished two books or three books and, you know, had to come back. Whereas, you know, doing sort of a structured course which takes parts from different books was, you know, it, gave, it had a benefit in that way. But it also had pitfalls. The point is that it's your responsibility as a student. It's your responsibility to go through those books, to study, to figure out where you need to fill in the gaps, and to ask for help in that. You know, to go to your teacher and say, I've finished this book. What book, which book should I do next? Which topic should I do next? I feel like I didn't understand this book. Do you know of anyone else who explained it? Now at this point we have to note something. English adds a different and extra complication. Because as we said in Arabic, this is pretty straightforward. The plans are there. They're well documented. You have a choice of multiple different plans from different scholars. And the explanations are easy to find online. And the books are easy to read. And it's, e it's easier to do in Arabic. How do you do this in English? I think the reality is that if we go through all of the books that are in the first level, you'll find that most of them have been translated into English in one way or another. When you get to the next level, you'll find that maybe only 50%. And we mix level one and two in essentials. So you'll find even the books you've done from essentials, maybe... 70% are available in English. 30% were not available in English. We just translated them on the fly. When you get further on to more complicated books, you'll find that the books just don't exist in the English language. So, for example, you might be able to find a copy of Akhsar Muhtasarat. Somebody showed me a copy of Akhsar Muhtasarat in English. Somebody showed, before somebody showed me a copy that's been translated. But you go up to the next level, maybe think about something, I don't know, Zad al-Mustaqni' or something like that, or Dalil al-Talib. I don't know that any of those have been translated into English. So it starts to get more complicated. What's the answer to this? For me, the answer to this is, that while you are in this, this two or three years of studying in English, you get your Arabic up to a level where you can slowly transition into Arabic. And that's not as difficult as it might sound, because the books you'll do in Arabic in the beginning are quite simple books. They're not incredibly complicated books. So I would suggest that if you have a study plan in English, which lasts for three years or four years, that in that three or four years, your aim by the end of it is to transition into Arabic. Because ultimately you're going to run out of road. Because the road as it exists in English only goes up to a certain point after which there just doesn't exist. The books are not translated. The explanations are not there. There are people who are, you know, trying to you know, build a bit of extra road for you. But 
ultimately wherever you get to doesn't matter how many books Ustad Abdurrahman Hassan translates into English in his Madrasa Umariya ultimately you are going to run out of road because there it just is too much to study and too few people to bring it into English and also sometimes bringing it into English is unnecessarily complicated you know you're, you're, you're making it more complicated than it has to be to bring it into English so each of you must have as part of your early study you must have learning Arabic as your as one of your main goals learning Arabic is something which is to a certain extent it depends on the circumstances you're in but there are some tips that you can give or that I can give you which um, I think work for, for pretty much everybody or most people anyway the first thing is even if you don't have a class or a teacher you can still learn vocabulary vocabulary meaning words for things desk, chair, microphone, ceiling, floor, masjid, road, car, wheel you know you can learn words for things you don't need that many words to be fluent in a language generally most languages about 3000 words maybe let's say Arabic is much more complicated let's put Arabic at 6000 words at 6000 words and then let's presume that you do just out of that 6000 six words every day just six words every day within three years you've done your 6000 words that you need to do to finish to get to get to fluency or near fluency in vocabulary in vocabulary the next thing that you need is you need a corpus of of material a collection of material in the language that can be written material visual material and audio material no doubt uh, the quran the sunnah this is no, there's no doubt that this is the best corpus of material the only difficulty is it's not graded by difficulty and it's, it's not like the first hadith that you read is the easiest one to understand in Arabic, right? so in, for that reason you really need material that gets progressively more difficult an easy way of doing that is go to the library or go to a bookstore and buy reading books for children Arabic reading books for Arabic for, for native speakers not for Arabic for children to teach your children Arabic Any, buy go to the Arabic section which the native speakers use and buy reading books for children level 1, level 2, level 3, level 4 you know it starts with the cat sat on the mat and then it becomes you know progressively more difficult even starts before that, you know, like you get the book, you know, level one. This is a cat, said John. This is a ball, said Sam. You know, that's, what, that's what, how kids learn to read, right? And then it goes, it gets progressively more difficult as time goes on. Get yourself a set and go through it. If you want uh, visual stuff, you know, take this with a sort of with a sensible recommendation in terms of what is halal and what isn't but uh, 
maybe children's programs, uh, children's you know things that are recorded for children on YouTube, t- children's TV, children's uh, you know cartoons or whatever. Something where they start at a very basic level and it gets progressively more complicated. Again, use your Islamic Shara'i knowledge for what is halal and what's not. Don't be sat you know watching movies or you know, listening to music or whatever. But there is, it is possible to find material that is made, video material made for children that is aimed at a particular age. You know, this is aimed at three-year-olds and this one is aimed at four-year-olds and this one is aimed at five-year-olds and this one is aimed at ten-year-olds and, and so on. Uh, if it's Islamic material, even better. But even if it isn't just, you have a corpus of material, that's my point. After that, the, the last thing that remains, or there, there are two more things that remain. One is that you need grammar or sent, syntax. You need to know how to put the language together. Some of that you gain from your corpus. You gain from reading and you gain... But it does help to have classes. I suggest you just do, use what's available. If you can come to Kalima's classes, Kalima has a dedicated Arabic teacher who does classes regularly starting from beginner level. That is available to you. It's nothing to do with me. It's Kalima's, one of Kalima's services. So if you want to take advantage of that, Bismillah, take advantage of it. If you find that's not suitable for you because of time or money or whatever else the issue is, then go for something online. You know, there are some online classes where you meet the teacher over Skype. Or if that's not suitable, Watch some videos, if that's not suitable, listen to some of the pre-recorded courses, if that's not suitable, buy a book. But some way or another you have to get the grammar and syntax of the language. But what I kind of have come to learn is that grammar and syntax is heavy on people. So don't take too much of it at once. You know, it's like very rich chocolate, you know, you just need a little bit at a time. Too much of it makes you sick. So don't take like too much grammar at once. And definitely don't just study grammar and nothing else. Too, too many people do this. They get the Medina books and they just study grammar and that's it. Grammar, 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 grammar until the end. And they're like, why don't I know Arabic? Because you don't know any vocabulary. You haven't done any corpus work. You haven't exposed yourself to the language. The only thing you've done is learn how to put a sentence together. And that doesn't make language. It's one part only. So grammar, yeah. But I guess the advantage with grammar is you can do it in a class very intensively. And then after that, you can learn your vocab and everything, and you can go back to your grammar, you know, sentence by sentence, until it starts to become uh, clear. And the final thing you need is pronunciation uh, and, you know, uh, sort of reading, speaking, you know, those kind of, what maybe we call it ada, yani, what's the word for that? Like, not performance, but being able to convey, you know, you being able to say it or read it or whatever. Uh, I think that the easiest way of doing this is just a Qur'an class to start with. Providing that you use the script of the Qur'an, the Uthmani script. Why? I'm, I'm, it's not that the, the other, you know, sort of like sort of Persian script, is, there's anything wrong with it. It's just that you can't transfer from reading the, the Persian style of script into the Arabic one. It, you, if you learn to read the Qur'an from the... Uthmani style of script you can read a newspaper you can read a, a book you can read you know like uh, one of these books that we've studied but if you learn it in the sort of decorative style or Persian style of script 
then the problem is that it doesn't transfer. You can't read a newspaper, you can't, you know, you can't read anything which is in normal Arabic typeset. So it, probably it's a good idea to do some uh, Quran pronunciation lessons, work on, get your teacher to go through Makharij al-Huruf, how to pronounce the letters and so on. That, will, that in itself will teach you to be able to read and pronounce letters properly. And you probably don't need much more than that. And then after all of that, you've developed that as much as you can. Then you need to gain experience. Then you need to mix with people and speak and try to, you know, try to make yourself understood and, and things like that. And again, there are online forums where you can do that for free. You know, there are, you know, there are online communities where you can join into discussions in Arabic and you can you know, just chat with people and try to make yourself understood. That's something that's available online. So again, it's about your own motivation to study and your own dedication uh, to it. If you are a native Arabic speaker or you're a fluent Arabic speaker, then the step for you instead of learning Arabic is that you need to, first of all, get the hang of learning in Arabic. So my first question is, why are you here? <laughs> like, you need, to, you need to get the hang of learning in Arabic. Try to transition away from learning in English. I know there are some native speakers of Arabic or fluent speakers of Arabic who are more comfortable learning in English. They feel a little bit uncomfortable going to a gathering with one of the mashayikh where the lesson is in Arabic just because, you know, they just feel comfortable in the gathering where, where the topic is in English. Maybe it's a little bit easier. Maybe it's a little slower. Maybe there's not, you know, maybe the students are maybe a bit more welcoming. I don't know. But you have to transition to learning in Arabic. Learning Islam in English is just making things difficult for yourself. Try to transition towards learning in Arabic. And then try to improve your Arabic as a native speaker or a fluent speaker of Arabic through studying Al-Nahu, Wasarf, Wal-Balagha and all of the sub-sciences of Arabic that you have to study. Again, starting with an easy book, going through to a more difficult and more difficult and more difficult book so that you get the full appreciation of the nuances of the language. The next thing that I want to talk about in terms of this study plan and progression is the importance of hif. Because I haven't done too much because I, I'm aware that a lot of you work long hours and essentials is maybe some of you Fridays, your only day off. And you come on a Friday, you know, like it's, I don't want to burden you with exams that require lots and lots and lots of hif. But the more you memorize, the stronger you're going to be. So try to dedicate some of your time towards memorization. Most importantly, memorization of the Qur'an, followed by memorization of the Sunnah, followed by memorization of some of the mutun, the texts. Like memorizing Akhsar al-Muhtasarat, or memorizing Kitab uh, al-Tawheed, or memorizing Al-Urjuzatul uh, Mi'iyah, or memorizing whatever, you know, whatever other sort of books or, or texts that we have done. You try your best to memorize. If you can't memorize the whole thing because memorization is hard for you at the moment or your Arabic is just, you know, you're just getting started, try and memorize the most important parts. So, for example, if someone just memorized the conditions of the salah, the conditions of the zakah, the conditions of fasting, the conditions of hajj, 
the conditions of or the preconditions of transactions or buying and selling. This is just the first part, like the first, like there are seven conditions for this, you know, there are 12 conditions for this. Like the, even this is, is something very praiseworthy and something very beneficial. And just take it, you know, step by step and piece by piece, inshallah. Definitely whenever you come across an ayah in a book, like you're, you're reading an English book and then the author uses an ayah or a hadith as evidence, try to memorize at least, at least that ayah and that hadith, even if you don't memorize the book. I don't think memorizing anything in English is, is worthwhile, to be honest with you. Because you're just wasting your memory, which is better used for memorizing Arabic words and transitioning over to Arabic. But when you're reading a book, you're reading the explanation of the three fundamental principles. And you, you come to the explanation and the author mentions an ayah, try to memorize the ayah itself and the hadith. So this way, at least you, even if you didn't memorize the explanation of the author, at least you, you have the ayah and the hadith committed to memory. Make sure that all of you are enrolled in some sort of Qur'an program where you are memorizing Qur'an, if you haven't memorized the Qur'an already. So that you, because as we said, I mean, memorizing the Qur'an is a fundamental prerequisite of seeking knowledge as much as possible, and we want you to have memorized as much of the Qur'an as possible, and as much of the Sunnah as possible, at least the 40 hadith of Al-Imam uh, and then you, know, you, move on, uh, you move on from there. As I said, I'm going to try to uh, put together a program which tells you the sort of things that you should be memorizing and the sort of things that you should be learning. The other thing to bear in mind is, there's a kind of memorization which is like half-half memorization, which is blameworthy in one way and beneficial in another. It's blameworthy if you use it for the Qur'an, where you just quickly memorize the surah and you've got it kind of half-half in your head and then you move on to the next one. This is blameworthy. But it's beneficial for big books that you can't memorize word for word, is you sort of half-memorize it. You go page by page and you kind of vaguely commit it to memory and you just keep... You know, you just keep moving on. Uh, and some of the scholars put it under frequent reading. So, for example, some of them advise for Tafsir ibn Kathir. You can't really memorize Tafsir ibn Kathir. But what they do is they advise you do this half memorization or you do this frequent reading so that you read it so much that you become very aware or you've got a certain amount of memorization when it comes to the book. So you haven't memorized it, you know, word for word, but you've read it so many times that you've, you've got it, you know, you, you've got it to a certain degree, part of it is in your memory. So that is blameworthy when you use it for something like the Qur'an or the Hadith, but it's praiseworthy if you use it for a book that's too big to memorize, but you just read it so frequently that you have the, you, you get, you have the gist of it or you have the basics uh, committed to memory. And then you might memorize parts of it. Um, in terms of Islamic texts, I personally find poetry easier to memorize than uh, prose, but each of you is different. There is no requirement that you should memorize uh, Islamic texts in poetry form. If you rather memorize them in prose, memorize them in prose. If you like memorizing in poetry, memorize in poetry. Usually there's an option for both. For example, in uh, uh, 
let's say in the uh, in the topic of uluhiyya uh, the worship of Allah azza wa jal you can memorize kitab at-tawhid which is primarily ayat and ahadith you know in the form of prose it's not poetry or you can memorize sulam al-wusul ila ilm al-usul for example which is the same or very similar but it is in poetry form so if you like poetry there's usually a poetry option and if you like prose there's usually a prose option whatever you prefer to in terms of islamic texts whatever you prefer to commit to memory but that's a part of your study plan what have you memorized what haven't you memorized what are you going to memorize next how are you going to divide your time i think if you haven't yet finished the quran the quran has to have the the lion's share of your time but give some time for the sunnah give some time for basic islamic texts and the most important thing after all of that is this issue of continuously learning and trying to put your knowledge into practice because the knowledge that you just acquire and you don't act upon it doesn't benefit you anything if anything it's a cause for punishment not a cause for reward and if you're in the, the knowledge you acquire that you don't act upon is more a danger of being a punishment than it is a chance of being a reward So you have to make it your aim that the knowledge you acquire you try as much as possible to put it into practice. We are not perfect human beings. We make mistakes. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Istaqimu wa lan tuhsu." Stand upright in Islam, but you will not be able to do it perfectly. And he said, "Saddidu wa qaribu." do the right thing and come as close to it as you can meaning you'll not be able to do the right thing all of the time do the best you can but you need to have this process of the process that we talked about right in the very beginning that Allah azza wa jal mentions in surah al-asr or indicates in surah al-asr that you learn you act you teach it and share it with other people and then you are patient in doing those things patient in learning patient in acting upon what you're supposed to act upon and patient in what comes to you of harm as a result of sharing it with people and you know trying to improve the situation of those around you so it requires patience it requires patience and as we've said before patience is of three types patience in doing good deeds and patience in avoiding sins and patience in the in what Allah azza wa jalla decrees for you of difficulty or uh, challenges that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in your way you need to be patient in all of these things if you work hard and you are patient and you have a plan inshallah ta'ala you will reach the goal that you have set for yourself and to be honest the the biggest obstacle in that goal is usually yourself and usually it's yourself that is the biggest obstacle either you don't believe you can do it or you don't work hard enough to achieve it uh, you don't you know you don't set reasonable goals to to be able to achieve it uh, or you don't get the necessary knowledge or whatever but you yourself after the help of Allah you have a huge opportunity Uh, to be able to uh, 
you have a huge opportunity to be able to achieve a great amount of knowledge. You only have to work for it. Work really, really hard. Struggle for it. Strive for it. Keep on you know, failing and falling down and getting up again and doing it again. You know how many times? I mean, many of us will have done, tried to learn Arabic three times, four times, five times, different classes. But you keep on going again and again and again. And you remember that famous proverb or that famous statement, Man jadda wajad. The one who works hard will find what he is looking for. You just have to work hard. And that has an evidence in the Quran. Those who strive hard for our for us, we will guide them to our ways. We'll guide them to our paths. So you have to just work hard, you have to keep on trying. But if you're finding that you're you're failing in something, make sure that your plan is correct. Because sometimes the reason you fail is because you're working really hard, but you're like the person who's running uphill, but he's like he's not he's just like staying in the same place. But he's working really hard, but he, he isn't he, he something is wrong and he, the incline is too much and he's basically just running really, really fast, but he stays in exactly the same place. So you have to make sure that the plan is good enough to be able to take you through all of those different uh, obstacles and hurdles uh, and to get you to the end goal, inshallah ta'ala. What is your intention? And I remind you about the intention again. The intention is everything. Intention is everything. Everything is your intention. Everyone who set out to be a scholar of Islam and didn't achieve it, didn't achieve it because of their intention. And everyone who achieved it, achieved it because of their intention. And the intention is everything. Your, your, your achievement is, is completely dependent upon your intention. What should your intention be in seeking knowledge? That you intend to remove ignorance from yourself first of all. The first person you think about is you. I want to remove ignorance from me. And then I want to remove ignorance from those people who are around me. That's your intention. Lots of things will come in the way of that intention. You have to wrestle with it. You remember the statement of Sufyan al-Sawri rahimahullah ta'ala ma alajtu shay'an ashadda alayya min niyati li annaha tataqallabu alay I never wrestled with anything harder than my intention because it keeps on changing it keeps on flipping over you have to keep wrestling with it and working with it so keep your intention correct and once your intention is correct make sure that you strive to adhere to the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because when you join between these two things Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala accepts it from you and puts barakah in it the right intention and doing things in the right way so those are just some words of advice that I wanted to share with you uh, it's not like I'm inshallah going from here and gonna just you know disappear I'm still at Kalima inshallah Ta'ala and uh, you guys can, can, uh, can catch me there I think by now everyone has my contact details, uh, but if you don't, you can, uh, you can get those from Kalima. You can email me on my Kalima email, which is tim at kalima.org. Uh, and inshallah ta'ala, we keep on going. Uh, I'm not sure what will happen with me with regard to essentials after this class. Uh, Allah knows best what will happen, but essentials inshallah ta'ala is continuing. 
and I'm also continuing, I'm not planning on stopping uh, teaching or stopping uh, any helping, so as much as I can, I'm still here to support you uh, what, in whatever I can do. And whatever I've said in this whole essentials course that has been beneficial and correct, that is the grace of Allah and His mercy. And whatever I have said which is incorrect, and the more you study, the more you'll find things in what I've said that are not correct, and that's the nature of mankind, like as a Shafi'i said, that every time I increase in knowledge, it only makes me more knowledgeable about how ignorant I used to be. So you're going to find errors, you're going to find mistakes, that is only from me. And Allah and His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa have nothing to do with that. And Islam has nothing to do with that. So inshallah ta'ala we conclude with that and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. We ask Allah to teach us what will benefit us and to benefit us with what He teaches us and to increase us in knowledge. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka.